stimulation and sound. This you to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Magnesium is naturally found in foods like This is the Well and Good Podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. I don't know about you, but as of late, I found it nearly impossible not to overthink most things. I genuinely feel stuck in a loop of questions, doubts, and considerations that leave me running in place. I'm director of podcast Taylor Camille, and today Leah Avellino returns to the podcast to help us pinpoint why we might resort to overthinking and how to break the cycle and settle our brains. She truly, and I really mean this, dropped so many gems during our conversation that helped me understand my thought process more, and I hope you leave feeling the same. Here's Leah. My training is in social work with a focus on somatic interventions as well as social justice strategies. Um, and I run a group support business in New York City, which provides spaces for people to connect deeply to themselves and others. We're so happy to have you back. Um, this month, we're talking about the mind for our minds issue on site. And so I wanted to dive in by asking you how you would explain overthinking and what kind of defines it. So most of us that have experienced overthinking know it as sort of like excessive rumination, like running over questions over and over again. Should I do it this way? Should I do it that way? Or that person ignored me in the hallway. Are they mad? Maybe they're just having a bad day. Wait, did I respond to their text message? So it has this intensity to it. You can tell even when I was speaking, my voice sped up. Um, There's almost Mm -hmm. like an anxious energy And the way that I like to think of overthinking is it's a characteristic of worry and it's a prevention strategy. Mm. So our effort to think our way out of a nervous system state, I'll give an example. I might be feeling fearful in that moment, Taylor, that you don't like me, but instead of being in the fear, I'm traveling from my body up in my head. Because I think if I just work harder at unspooling these questions, that then I'll find a solution. And many of us learn this in childhood or by having adverse experiences. So for example, when my mom would have really big emotions that felt unsafe for me, I would go up in my head and I would try to think of a way that I could help her to create the environment to be more safe for me. Another reason why we do it is it gives us this illusion of control, right? That maybe if I just find the right question with the right answer, then I'll get out of this work issue, right? Then I won't have to be at odds with my partner. It can also help us prevent conflict because the more we're in our head, the more we're not expressing with our mouths. And so if we're not saying it, we're storing it. And a lot of that worry or fear gets stored in our brains because we're not wanting to go towards our bodies and be in the truth of what we really know. Yeah. 
Yeah, that really resonates as you're speaking. I'm just like, oh, I remember those times where, and even right now I have a person I need to text back and I'm like, oh, why didn't I text them back? Yeah, it's very intense feelings when we leave our bodies and get stuck in our heads. Exactly. And the funny thing about it is those questions about, did I text them back? Are they mad at me? Are actually taking the edge off of the bigger feelings. So we don't want to feel some of those bigger feelings of I'm disliked. What emotional memory does being disliked triggering me? I'm disorganized. What judgment or shame might come up if I sat in that reality, right? So even though overthinking causes distress, it's actually not as difficult as being in like the goo of the heavier or harder emotion. Okay, so how can we differentiate those triggers versus the threats? Yeah, that's a really good question. So a trigger is simply an intense emotional response to a situation or stimuli, whereas a threat is an actual risk to our safety. The tricky thing is that our brain cannot differentiate immediately between triggers and threats. What ends up happening is something called amygdala hijacking. And the amygdala, this part of our brain's sole job is to ask wherever it goes, am I safe here? Am I safe in this room? Am I safe on this subway? Am I safe in this relationship? And what happens when we get flooded with emotions is it prevents us from having the part of our brain that makes decision-making, the prefrontal cortex, online. So I'll give an example. Let's say I had an ex that cheated on me. And that was such an overwhelming emotional experience. I might go into my present relationship looking for signs, scanning the relationship, being like, oh, there it is. He flipped his phone over. So he must be cheating on me. Well, he took his phone to the bathroom. So he must be cheating on me. Right. And the thing is, the trigger isn't a problem. But where our brain gets a little confused is we interpret that trigger as a reality or a truth versus a data point that's letting us know that a past experience was so intense that is now sitting with us in the present. How can we better understand our our overthinking triggers? Like you bring that kind of baggage or energy from your past relationship to this relationship. So how can we identify them and be like, this is not the reality? That's a beautiful question. So the first is, I want to say that triggers aren't bad, that our brain has evolved to worry, right? So our ancestors, if we go back in time, when they saw a lion, that would signal to their brain, shit, run, right? This is unsafe here. (laughs) Or if we're at a stoplight, right? And cars are swooshing by and we move back. That reaction, that quick response lets us know that that part of our brain is helping us survive. The tricky piece is the brain's sole purpose is to help us survive. So being vulnerable, taking emotional risks, that's at odds with our brain. Our brain is like, no, no, no. Why would I put myself in a difficult experience um, when I actually could just stay safe? But what we know is that the difficult experiences are what keep us alive, right? Me putting my heart out there after being cheated on actually allows me to have a loving, connected relationship, right? So we want to be able to honor our triggers and remember that they're not bad, but that we need to create more choice in how we respond to them 
so that we are empowered in those interactions rather than susceptible to that past part of ourselves whose sole goal is to survive. And the way we can do that, Taylor, is by slowing down in the moment and really examining the data, moving the thinking from, I am in danger, this person is cheating on me, to, ooh, I'm triggered. Let me figure out what's happening. Is this about what's happening right now? Or is this about what happened in the past? You have a method, like almost like what they do for earthquakes. You have the stop, drop, roll method for this too, right? Yep, exactly. So I just used this the other day. I'll give an example. So the stop, drop, and roll method allows us to ask our question, is this a trigger? Is it a threat? And how do I want to respond? So the first step is stop. And that's an acronym that stands for stop, take a breath, observe, and proceed. And that might be really tricky in difficult moments, right? Like when we have this rash response that is meant to keep us safe. So it takes a little while to begin to orient to what are our triggers for being triggered. I'll give an example. I um, had an eating disorder growing up and I had a baby this summer and I saw someone on the train who said, your body looks different. And the way my triggered response was, is, oh, they think I'm larger than I was. Mm. What they were actually saying when I slowed down is you had a baby. The baby's no longer in you. Your body looks different. But because <laughs> of my history mm. with an eating disorder, I created a whole entire narrative mm. about what that person was judging me on. Right. So my risk system went into high gear when really in that moment there was no threat. So stopping in that moment and asking myself, oh, why am I triggered? Oh, right. Body stuff really triggers me, mm-hmm. helped me kind of slow down. Yep. The second step is to drop. And what we tend to do when we're overthinking or in a risk assessment is we go up into our heads, right? But the answers are actually down in our bodies. That overthinking is preventing us from getting in touch with a pain point or a point of shame from the past. So dropping in to be, okay, thoughts, I hear you. I'm going to put you aside for a second. Body, what are you saying to me? What sensations are coming up? Oh, my heart's beating. I'm afraid, right? Those sensations let us know what we might feel. And actually dropping into that emotional experience helps us understand if this is really about the present or is this about a past story? Because oftentimes we get in touch with those emotions and sensations. It reminds us of things from the past. And actually spending time in that feeling, which is the role with it section, is what helps the anxiety loosens its grip. So it sounds counterintuitive to feel the fear, to roll with the fear, to roll with the anger. Like, why would I want to go there? But that is actually what our body is trying to let us know is most important. And once we're able to tolerate that discomfort, we're not as reactive to it. Because I'm like, ew, I can feel uncomfortable. I can feel like this person is judging my body, but I'm also okay in this moment. It's difficult because our anxieties can be so intense so all-consuming you can kind of point back to like where this has come up for you 
in the past. And I think that makes it all the more intense. And so how do you suggest that we help figure out those good versus those bad anxieties? Yes. And you're making a really good point, Taylor, which is if there is a lot of history associated with this trigger, it's going to feel more intense. Right. And so that is just the reality. And to first start to think about how do we differentiate between the good and bad triggers, I want to note that all triggers are not equal. So for example, um, I might have body anxiety, but I also live in a body that's very privileged as a white, thin person. And there's a difference associated with triggers that are really compromised, our safety versus triggers that feel like they do. Good triggers are the ones that we personally deem are letting us know information about how to navigate a situation, right? So Mm -hmm. when I am feeling triggered, if I can slow down and do the stop, drop, and roll, and I notice that that actually regulates my nervous system and I can proceed feeling calm, cool, and collected, that's information that I was activated, but it doesn't indicate a threat. Versus if you do the stop, drop, and roll, and you still need to get out of that space, or you still need to yell, or you still need to signal that you're not okay, that might be an indicator that you really are under threat. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to really honor your own personal experience is important. So in order to really get to know our triggers, I want to offer this three-step process that I go through and that I introduce in support circles. So the first is build awareness of what those triggers are. So for me, it might be body stuff. For me, it might be um, worry about not being valued if I'm not doing or giving in a capitalist society. Um, And so I know that when I'm having interactions, I'm like, oh, that's a Leah trigger. Oh, that's a Leah tender spot. So really get to ask yourself, what are the things that I notice set me off, right? that might make me feel dysregulated. Mm-hmm. How often do those come up? What types of scenarios do those come up? So really going towards the trigger rather than away from it. The second is validate those thoughts as real, but not necessarily true, right? So we might have a negative thought or a judgment. And if we tell ourselves that that's silly, that actually fuels the overthinking. Because our our overthinking acts like a toddler. If we ignore it, it screams louder, right? right? So we don't want to say, oh, like, that's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. It's actually giving us information about something we survived that is really important. But we also want to tell those thoughts, hey, I see that you're there, but I don't necessarily believe you to be indicating that I'm unsafe in this moment. The third thing is asking yourself, what might this overthinking be helping me avoid? Is it helping me avoid a conflict? Is it helping me avoid a really uncomfortable sensation in my body? Is it helping me um, not have to address my perfectionism, right? Because sometimes overthinking is we think if we could just find the right machination of things that then that we can put the perfect thing out in the world. Is it helping me procrastinate, right? So really looking at what is the good intention of my overthinking and how can I actually learn from what it might be helping me to avoid and potentially go towards that? Because 
we want to be able to evaluate the situation in order to regulate the nervous system. And so is overthinking a bad thing <laughs> um, or can it can it kind of be useful? So I do not think it's bad or good. I think it's useful, right? It is a survival mm-hmm. strategy. It helps try to keep us safe. It helps us mm-hmm. not have to be in big, scary emotions sometimes. Um, it prevents us from having to be in our bodies, which sometimes really allows us to survive a situation. So for example, if your boss gives you an unrealistic deadline and you're overthinking, that might prevent you from being in the exhaustion. It might prevent you from being in the fear that you can't complete the task. So all of that slows us down and that prevents us from performing. So your overthinking might be actually helping you hold on to your job. Um, Mm -hmm. I think what we do want to do is ask ourselves, what is the function of our overthinking and how do I feel about being in that state? Right? So you might be like, you know what? Overthinking is causing me a lot of suffering. I've got to get to what's really happening for me that's fueling this overactive mind. Or you might be like, you know what? I freaking need this overactive mind right now because that's me going. I actually can't be in my body and those feelings. But making that a conscious choice versus just rolling into the overthinking every single morning that you wake up rather than being in the fear of the relationship you're in or the fear of having this job or the fear of moving to a new city, that's not going to help us get to the solutions we want. It's going to keep us surviving, but it's not going to make us thrive. Oh, I think that's the sweet spot everyone needs to figure out for themselves is like, when is too much too much? And when have you given it enough thought and you can move on? Totally. Is what is your own unique limit? So if you're noticing that there are distressing sensations in your body, like a tight jaw or headaches, or you're not sleeping because you're overthinking, this might mean that you've passed your limit, that overthinking is no longer helping you. It's actually impeding you. And then the question is, what is overthinking preventing my body from knowing? And then how can I go towards the body in small doses, not big ones, to be in that discomfort so my brain doesn't have to help me get out of it. I will definitely be reflecting on so much of our conversation, but especially this notion of what is overthinking preventing my body from knowing and can I sit in the discomfort in a way that doesn't drain my brain and put my nervous system into overdrive. On today's show, you heard me in conversation with Leah Avellino. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. This episode was produced by Taylor Camille and edited and mastered by Sarah Gabrielli. Special thanks to our production assistant, Charlotte Tratner. Our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.